Welcome to the Harvest Center. Harvest Center. The 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 Harvest Center. Welcome to the Harvest Center. We're glad you're here today. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you in church. Uh, if it is your first time here at the Harvest Center, please do feel welcome. We are happy you're here. And uh, do not rush away after the service. We would love to get to know you, maybe over a cup of coffee. Why not? Uh, if you're following us from home, uh, if you're one of those who came yesterday at the outreach, by the way, thank you so much for all those who helped yesterday. We had a wonderful day in Warren Close. Um, I will say something more later about it, but it was really a precious time. But do please uh, feel welcome uh, this morning in church. And uh, we are here uh, because we've got one thing in common. Uh, we love the Lord, yeah? And if you, don't know, uh, if you do not know God yet, you, you need to know that there is a God who loves you. And He wants to have an encounter with you today. We are here to worship Him. We are here to, uh, to hear from Him. We are here just to praise His name because He deserves to be praised. He gave His life on the cross for us. And, uh, and we are so thankful for that. And I just want to read something uh, for you. And um, is, um, in, is in Roman, uh, Romans, Romans uh, chapter 5. I'm going to just read the first few verses. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have <clears throat> gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We are at peace with the Lord today. If you are a child of God today, if you've given your life to the Lord, you are at peace with God. Uh, you, know, is, uh, you know, grace is covering you this morning. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter the week that you left behind. Doesn't matter the experience that you went through. If you're here today and you are in Christ, then you are at peace with God. What a wonderful thing is to, to know that we are at peace with God. And then he carries on and says, um, not only so, so there is more. Not just, it's not just the fact that you are at peace with God, but because of this, we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, be, who has been given to us. So the grace of God is so big, is so great that even if... And when we go through difficult time, we can rejoice during that time because there is a purpose. There is God is producing character in us. He's producing something positive. He's producing something that will contribute to give us that, to shape our life according to what he has in mind. So why don't we all stand and let's just open up this service uh, by knowing the fact that we are at peace with God. Even if you are going through a difficult time, you are still at peace with God. And in this difficult time, there is, there is reason for you to rejoice because God is working His purposes in your life, even in the middle of the struggle. So have faith to see God bringing you through this time. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for today. We thank you because we can be here together to worship your name. We thank you, Jesus, for the cross. 
because all what we uh, have is because of your grace nothing is because of our goodness nothing is because of what we are on what we can achieve in life but everything comes from the fact that you've given your life for us that your grace is covering us and therefore we are at peace with you we thank you lord god and holy spirit as we gather together this morning to worship your name to lift your name on high i just want to pray spirit of god move among us we pray that you will uh, bless each part of the service from the worship the communion to the testimonies uh, to the word of god that's it's holy spirit we pray for your seed to be uh, spread over our lives and for our hearts to be receptive to what you have to tell us lord god so we thank you we want to lift your name god and we i want to pray for how many people are here for the first time lord god i just want to pray for people maybe who are struggling in life because of different reasons and you want to tell them that i love you you are my child you are my daughter i've got good plans for your life i've given my life for you why don't we journey together again i just want to pray holy spirit you know our hearts our mind you know the secrets of our heart we know where we come from where we are going and where we'll end up in five years ten years twenty years times you know everything lord god that's why we can trust you because your plans are good for us your purposes are good lord god so we thank you holy spirit we are looking forward to see what you have prepared for us today we thank you father in jesus precious name amen and i just uh, you know feel that the lord is saying stop saying that there is no way i will make a way for you stop saying there is no way stop saying that there is no hope for your situation it's too complicated i will make a way for you so dear god we thank you for your presence among us we thank you jesus for the cross we thank you holy spirit for your presence in our hearts we worship you today we lift your name you are wonderful in jesus precious name amen 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 thank you so much guys yes you can got busy sunday today so i i, I wrote down a, a bullet points we've got some guests like rob said of course i i'm going to introduce you properly later on but it's just an honor to have uh, pastor moses and um but uh, banu <laughs> You know, I always, I get confused with Balud, you know, the Jungle Book, you know. The <laughs> it's like, uh, with names, you know, you, those who know me in the church, you know, that names, uh, you know, is not my strength. Um, so I get confused with things. So I will introduce you guys later on properly. Um, but just now, you know, there is, um, uh, I wanted to, to do something important, which is to express uh, a big, a massive thank you to all the people that got involved yesterday with the outreach. And I, I, yeah, you deserve a round of applause for yourself. And uh, it was really a lot of us from the church uh, there. We had a great day, a great time. We managed to talk to so many people. All the stalls where, you know, uh, we had lots of kids enjoying their times there. We had the Alpha stall did very well. I, I heard that seven people uh, left their phone number because they're interested in doing the Alpha course. Um, and this is the reason why we do these things, is to express the love of Christ in our town, yeah, in practical ways. Uh, and uh, people enjoy their time with their families and children, but the same way uh, is uh, open a possibility for us to, uh, to speak about uh, the person of Christ 
uh, to the people who do not know yet Jesus. And I, I, I capture a couple of moments. There were people talking, and they had um, wet eyes, you know, about to, te- to, to cry for different reasons. Uh, it's good to see when, 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 when God moves, um, you know, among us. So thank you so much uh, for those who went there to set up, run the stalls, put things down. It was really a great day uh, indeed. Um, and um, as well, Aidan, why don't you come? Uh, Aidan came to me and said, I would like to share a testimony Sunday. And I said, uh, can I do that? So I've asked him, can you stand on one, on one leg for a minute? If you can, I'll let you testify. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I said, of, of course you can. Hello. Um, as some of you know, that I went away a week ago for five days away from home and I didn't really feel like I'd been left. I feel like the presence of the Lord was still with me because I know some people when they go away they don't really feel the presence of people but that didn't happen. I still felt the presence of the Lord. He was still with me and also um, when I went to the college induction day I was to, I was supposed to do level two, but I got moved down to level one because I didn't pass my English. But um, I was waiting for the bus, and we had to do a pretest on maths and English, and um, they said my grades weren't justified, and they moved me back up to a level two. So my first college day is tomorrow, and again, I'm sure the Lord will be with me and. I'm sure that I would still feel his presence, and yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Aiden. You know, I love to, uh, to listen to testimonies, and um, I believe there are so many testimonies among us, but so many times, for some strange reason, we feel like a bit shy, we don't want to share with people. You know, the power of, of testimonies, any kind of testimony, is, is, is amazing, you know, doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter where and how you've experienced God, uh, it's always good to hear how God is blessing His church in different ways. Yeah? So thank you so much, Aiden, for, for sharing that. Uh, you are becoming braver and braver. I mean, if you have known him, yeah, I've known him like since I've been here uh, no, seven years, and uh, you're, you're becoming braver and braver. Well done, Aiden. And uh, come on, and encouraging, I want to encourage all of you. To share, yeah? To share the goodness of God when He, um, when he blesses you. Now, we, we heard Aiden about school, and we want to do something about our kids. Because this week, school is starting again. Woo! <laughs> We're so looking forward to it. So, Anna. Good morning. Can we please all have, um, can we please have all the children who are going back to school, or even more exciting, starting school, um, at the front here, Um, because we are going to bless you, we're going to pray for you, and we've got something little for you, okay? I mean, can't you see the excitement about school? It's just written in their faces, right? Can't you see the excitement? Right, if we can have all of you just over here. Okay, brilliant. Okay, Elias, brilliant. Tyler, you coming? Beeps, Tyler, you coming? Josh, 
You're only just going to pray for you. We're not going to ask you anything. Okay. So um, that's, that's brilliant. Um, so last week um, during Kids Church, Jason and I, um, at the end of the, um, of, the, um, of the session, asked the kids um, whether they were excited to go back to school next week or not. So uh, we asked different questions. The question number one was, who is excited? And only one hand went up like this. It was Tyler's hand. Tyler went, yep, I'm excited. Um, then everybody else was like, mm, not sure. So we asked, why is it that you're not very excited about going back to school? And I think the answers that we had was, number one, top answer was, we got to wake up early in the morning again, which is, you know, really tough. Let's be honest about it. It's not easy. None of us like it. And, um, and the answer number two, top answer number two was, we feel a bit nervous about going back. You know, you know how it is with new teachers. You haven't seen some of your friends for a little while. And six weeks can be a really long time. So what we're going to do this morning, we are going to pray for you. We're going to bless you. You are not alone in this. We as a church are with you. We want you to know that Jesus is with you every single morning when that alarm clock is going to ring or when mom is going to or dad going to open the door and go, it's time to wake up and you try to hide under your sheets. Jesus is there with you and he's there with you while you play and he's there with you while you learn. He's there with you when you struggle and when you're happy. So what we're going to do, we're going to ask all the elders and all the kids workers, please, to come to the front, and we're going to bless those very, very precious children. We're also going to pray for Aidan and those who are starting college as well. Hey, brilliant. Thank you, Lord, for those uh, kids, for those children that you've uh, put in within this uh, family, within this church. We thank you for their lives, O oh Lord. We thank you for uh, the plans that you have for them. And Lord, we just pray for your blessing to be upon them. Lord, that um, in this time of learning, in this time of going back to school, as Aiden was rightly saying, you are with them. Lord, you have promised that uh, you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, and you never put an age limit. You always are with us. So we just pray for uh, them, Lord, to get to know you in this year, not only for the subject that they will learn in school, but also as they're going to learn about you. Father, we just pray that uh, their life will be changed. Lord, it is not too soon, Lord, for them to get to know you, Lord. So we pray for their lives. We pray for their families. We pray that you will give them the strength, Lord, as they go to back to school, that they also face teaching and things that are... Uh, Maybe not according to what the Bible says, Lord, that you will then give them grace. You will protect them. Also their families, oh Lord, as they're home, Lord, as they're helping through this journey in school. Just give them wisdom, oh Lord. And we thank you for your grace, Lord, that you have said you will pour upon them in Jesus' name. Okay, okay, right. Quickly, quickly, I've got a few announcements. Um, right, so, oh, hello. DJ's going to join me. Uh, so next Sunday, we've got our visiting preacher as well as today, we've got Pastor Moses. Next Sunday, we've got Vladut from Romania. There we go, trying to read my words. 
Um, so he's come in and he's a pastor from London, so he'll be with us next Sunday. Oh, Zeph. <laughs> Where's he touching? Okay, and um, right, so just a couple of more dates for your diaries. Don't forget, people, that Alpha is going to begin on Thursday the 28th. And I reckon it's going to be a full group this time. Come on. So invite your friends, invite your families, get them there, get them onto it. I mean, uh, it was just so good yesterday. People were so interested, and it was such a brilliant time to be able to speak about that. Um, and ladies, we have got a date for you for Flourish. Woo! Okay, it's oh good, got us next drum rolls. It's going to be all new. It's going to be all singing and dancing. Well, actually, no singing and dancing, but it's going to be very different. And so we've we met together. We've kind of discussed and you know waited on God to see what we felt was the new direction. So it's going to be slightly different. We're going to be giving you more information as time goes on. But 21st of October, that's a Saturday, put it in your diary from 2 till about 5.30, so it's going to be slightly longer. We're definitely still going to make it an outreach event, so we'll be expecting you to have somebody that you in mind that you'd like to come along and join us and have a great time together. So Saturday, 21st of October, and I will be speaking to some of you today with some ideas that we've had. Um, and then other than that, we have got church lunch today. Woohoo! So thank you for everybody. The kitchen already looks lovely with lots of lovely food ready, prepared. So we will stay afterwards, have a lovely lunch together. If you haven't come prepared, you're still welcome to join us, obviously, because there's always loads. Um, and I think there's still hot dogs left over from yesterday. So it's just a rollover. Uh, and yeah, and don't forget that it's a family meal and that we share together. So it means we share the food, but we also share the work. So afterwards, there'll be some clearing up. Uh, hey, so please stay on for that as well if you can. All right, that's me, Dan, and kids dismissed. So let me just spend a few words um, for our guest, to introduce our guest speakers, Pastor Moses and uh, his grandson, Banu. Yeah, so yes. I didn't ask you for an applause because I know that he doesn't like to be applauded. We had a conversation yesterday at the table, and he's a wonderful man. Uh, so, um, I, the, for me, it was the first time to meet them. Now, uh, since I've been part of this church for the past seven years, I've been uh, seeing the newsletter coming to the office. Uh, we knew that uh, since years, the church, the Harvest Center, among the different uh, ministries, um, um, abroad that we support, we were supporting as well this ministry in India, but I never had the possibility really to, uh, to meet them in person, and uh, it happened yesterday, and um, it was a, a great experience, and um, yesterday evening we spent uh, uh, the evening together, we had a meal together, and it was just wonderful uh, to hear uh, from them, and the wisdom, the stories, um, you know, I love to hear people who are already walked the, you know, the journey with the Lord, and they carry with them um, a massive load of experiences, of uh, stories, and of testimonies of how they experience God in different ways, and, and it was wonderful yesterday to hear directly from him, uh, man of God, wonderful man, and um, we will hear, I'm so happy that we will hear from them today, from, from both of them, we will first, first hear from Banu very shortly, and then from Pastor Moses as well. Okay. First of all, greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a joy, firstly, to be here. And we've had a wonderful time, like Pastor Samuel said. 
yesterday at the park and also yesterday night, got to spend some time with some of you and you were lovely. And what I felt was you guys are real. Firstly, because of what you did yesterday morning, it was real because you're projecting what God has called us to do, to show and share his love to the world. Number two, you're real because I think I saw the parents shout more when they said the kids are going to school tomorrow than the kids. <laughs> that is true too, right? <laughs> yeah, so as you heard, I'm Banu. Uh, you can call me Banu. I'm Pastor Moses' grandson, and uh, I've just gotten into the ministry, but it's a small story behind that. Uh, I first did never wanted to get into ministry. Growing up as a PK, which is pastor's kid, I still didn't want to do God's work. I used to think God will call somebody else because it's his work. But then God eventually got hold of me in a very different way, unusual, because I was doing my master's uh, in industrial engineering. I finished it, and I went to work for a company, and I worked for six months, and the company shut down. And then I had to, I started applying for jobs again, and then it's been a difficult ride, almost an year, and having a master's and a good GPA couldn't get me another job. I, just, I was just wondering, and I was just praying about it. And God spoke to me when I went to India for my cousin's wedding, and he spoke to a woman. He said, why are you running away from me? Still, he still gets... Uh, so get emotional thinking about that. Okay, well, uh, so I finally go to ORU uh, to do my seminary. And I did three and a half years of my seminary. I'm still left with my thesis to finish. And I'm currently back home in India finishing my thesis and preaching in the English service, which is every evening uh, on a Sunday. Uh, and then I just wanted to share one experience that God has taught me. It's, it's a small experience, but the message is profound. It was during my first year at the seminary, the first semester. And you know, like, I think Pastor Samuel could relate more because, you know, when you first go to the Bible school, you're on fire. The passion is different because you want to live your life for God and for Jesus. And then that was me. And then I was just planning everything, like, how do I do ministry? How do I train? And how do I do this? How do I do that? What started off as a good thing, as a passion, started becoming a burden. Because... Uh, so much confusion, questions. It brought me to a point where I couldn't sleep well. I was just overwhelming, and I was starting to question, and then uh, started to worry, like, what's happening, or can I even do it now? And then I was in a class one day, uh, and the professor was teaching, and I was still thinking about that. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was overflowing emotions, and then I was praying, and then I, I felt like somebody tapped, put it, I mean, tapped on my head, saying, hey, why are you worried about this? It's my work. It's not yours. It's my work. So why are you worried about it? And you won't believe it's just all the burden and everything just lifted off like that in a snap. So that's what happens, I guess, when God speaks to you. And uh, the more I started to rely on my own strength, on my own capabilities, it felt impossible. But then the moment I realized that God is with me through all of that, it just felt very easy, like I said, it, it, just to snap. It took everything away. The boldness, that assurance that you get when you know God speaks to you is different. And that's the word that God put on my heart to share with you all because you might be in that, at that point in your life right now. Sometimes we think, okay, we're doing God's will. We're in God's purpose. But then as you go, a setback, or maybe a little difficulty might knock you off and might start to make you think or question if it is God's will. But then... I would like to encourage you all to not worry about that because God's got your back. 
so you can always trust him, and always trust him in everything, and that's what I learned, and that's what I wanted to share with you all today. God bless you all. Thank you. When God starts dealing with humans, our journey would change. It takes a different, peculiar, but very meaningful turn. It did mine when I was a Hindu, going with my widowed and illiterate mother to the temples, worshipping the idol gods and goddesses. I had no clue to whatever God meant to me or to the world. It's only ritual that I was going through, just like my mother. She was very disciplined, dedicated lady, a great mother. But I had no clue to whatever God was meant to be for others as well as myself. And uh, mother came to me one day. I was not a good boy, caused a lot of grief to her heart, trying to find the meaning and purpose of life like anybody else. There are many few billions that are still seeking. And she came to me saying, uh, I got two favors I expect you to do for me, son, if you would. Go ahead and tell me, Amma, Amma is mom. She said, uh, I know God is going to change your life. I had already heard the call of God. Never understood what that call of God meant to me. Why would this God call me? Calling me son. My father died when I was not even four year old boy. I don't have anybody. Nobody cares. And I was so disheartened and uh, seeking, seeking. And then she said, but God is going to get hold of your life, son. And you, he's going to use you in a mighty way for his in his ministry. Uh, that didn't make any sense to me. In case I don't live long enough to see you doing the ministry, in case I happen to die before that day, I don't want you to cremate my dead body. I want you to call upon the church in another village nearby, have those folks sing songs of glory so that the whole village of 8,000 people would, come, would know that there was a widow in that village that saw the true living God, even on her funeral day, burial day. Of course, I felt uh, mom wasn't asking for a favor while she was alive. She was asking a favor only for her dead body. I thought it ain't much, it ain't much for mom to ask, so I, did, I nodded my head. Number two, favor she asked me. A lot of matches for your marriage are being proposed from different Hindu families. But I'm hearing that here and there in, the, in different villages, some farming, com farming families are coming to the Lord Jesus. And uh, I don't want you to marry anybody that comes from a Hindu family. Because I don't want my daughter-in-law bringing the idols and idol worshipping back into my home. So I want you to consider marrying somebody, some girl, 
that comes from a converted family. Well, I nodded my head there too. And uh, so I got married. It was a Christian wedding ceremony. It's funny. Uh, I had no clue to whatever that meant, but uh, I fell in love with that girl, 16-year-old girl and about 19, 20-year-old boy here. We were hooked together. And uh, one year after my marriage, as the custom goes, my wife was taken to their village because the delivery and the expenses have to be taken care of by the girl's family. That's the custom. And I was struggling. All I wanted in life was to be a professional gambler playing cards, and I was already addicted to that. And uh, it was 1966, April the 27th. My mother was working in the backyard of her house, and I was in my bedroom, and I just didn't know what to do. Well, I had finally decided to commit suicide, that I didn't find any meaning or purpose for this life of mine. And before I did that, I thought I should uh, pray to this God that my mother had prayed just like she did to the Hindu gods seven years or seven and a half years earlier. Here, here were the words that went out of my mouth. Here comes a spoiled young man. Father, I don't want my life for myself. I think you've been talking to me through my inner person, inner voice, and the prophetic messages. If you want my life, take it over. I don't want it. I don't see any purpose. But if you can give me the meaning and purpose, I would live for you. And something from another world, somebody from another world came and landed on me. And the heavy burden, a huge mountain, was rolled away, and I felt I was floating somewhere on the air, and the burden of sin was lifted out. And that was the day. I had given my life to the ministry, whatever that ministry, that word meant, I had no clue. And life took a different turn, Pastor Samuel. It's a peculiar, but a meaningful and very powerful turn. Never been sorry for that. It's been 57 and a half years. Life has been a festival every day, every moment. That's why I don't celebrate any other festival, including birthdays or wedding anniversaries. You folks go ahead and celebrate those days. But I continue to celebrate every moment. Me and my wife sharing and celebrating life together every morning, every evening, anytime, everywhere. Life has taken a different, beautiful meaning and purpose. Well, you are in for a treat because you're going to listen to some beautiful accent of English from India mixed up with some Southeastern American. I hope you folks be able to understand. Uh, I'm still learning British accent to understand, not to speak, but to understand, especially Pastor Kent's. <laughs> I have no problem with uh, Val's accent. <laughs> Some, of course, Pastor Kent's is okay. You know, when he visited us, when he had visited us a few years ago, only one could interpret for him. 
I usually do the interpretation, but my oldest son, Silas, was able to understand everything. He was accurate in interpreting your messages, Pastor Kent. I was amazed. I didn't like that. I was a little jealous of him <laughs> understanding British accent <laughs> more than I did. Well, <clears throat> I came back to UK to see you all one more time on this side of eternity. Uh, I don't know when my journey would be completed along with the God-given mission, but I just wanted to see you all because you have become a family that God has graced to me and our ministry by your faithful partnership and more so the prayers. You know, God's family is universal. Every country has his family. And uh, I thank the Lord for allowing my path cross that of yours to the extent that we together would be part of the mission God has entrusted to us there and to you over here. Well, I wanted to share uh, about one of the 12 disciples who is not much spoken about, who is not much written about either by Matthew, Mark, or Luke, just mentioned. They mentioned him. He's the brother of Simon Peter. But actually, he was one of the first two disciples that found the Messiah in Jesus. How? They were already disciples of John the Baptist. And when he baptized, after he baptized uh, Jesus, that 30-year-old fine-looking young man from Nazareth, he declared, here, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of this world. And all the Pharisees and military guys and everybody that came to be baptized heard that declaration. The next day, that's where it started, to these two first disciples of Jesus. There was John Babu, the young John, James' brother, and Peter's brother, Andrew, were there with John the Baptist. You know, Nazareth and Cana, all those tiny towns and villages were one on top of the other. I've been there eight times, I think. And uh, John the Baptist, he saw Jesus walking by. And he said, here goes the Lamb of God. The second time he declared only to the two disciples, John and Andrew. And then they both started walking behind Jesus. They were interested to know. And of course, Jesus, knowing that uh, two of these young guys were following him, he turned around and uh, said, uh, what are you seeking? And they addressed him, Rabbi. He just took water baptism yesterday. How could he become a rabbi the next day? I mean, no human being, nobody ever called of God would become a rabbi the day after water baptism. <laughs> but this rabbi, they saw in him a rabbi, not just a newly baptized person. Well, of course, uh, what are you seeking? Well, where do you live? Well, it's none of your business where I live. He could have answered, but he said, come and see for yourself where I live, how I live, why I live. That's implicated in that answer. So they quickly joined him and they walked together. 
So they were four in the afternoon and they walked to the residence of Jesus, evidently in the town of Capernaum, the fishing center of the Sea of Galilee area. And amazing thing was, wonder what they must have asked us many questions and Jesus must have answered them. And the chat went on and on. I don't know how late, but they ended up staying all night long with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. Living with Jesus one night. I don't know how late or how early they went to bed. The next morning, these two guys got up and started running. That's my dramatized way of describing. Started running back to Bethsaida, which is not far from Capernaum. And uh, they were either singing or yelling or screaming, we found the Messiah, we found the Messiah, we found the Messiah. And there was Simon, Simon, not Peter yet, Simon. You found the Messiah? Yeah. He should be showing himself up to the high priest there. Not to your fishermen like you guys. Don't tell me. All baloney. You saw the Messiah? I'm sure Simon must have said something else, you know. And Andrew, he knew Simon could sink him under his, with his argument, capacity of arguing. So he didn't want to go into argument. He said, come and see for yourself. Come and see. He just learned it yesterday afternoon, right? Come and see. Come and see. So both brothers walked back to Jesus. And of course, you know the story. Yeah, I know you are Simon. You're a reed, moose to the wind. But you're going to be a rock. Patros, Peter, Cephas. Well, what I wanted to share with you just one day, they were converted. They found the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, overnight. And the next day, he went back home and brought his brother back. The question comes to all of us, to you and me too. How many have you brought to Jesus after you found the Messiah, the Redeemer in Jesus Christ? You're great people. You're genuinely saved. I presume. How many have you been able to witness of God's grace? If you, if you find some hidden treasury, I'm sure you would share with your family, with your children, with your kids and kin, possibly your circle of friends, possibly the whole city of Brandon. How many have you been able to share about this mind that is in Jesus Christ? the Savior that you have accepted and genuinely got saved. How many have been able to, how much have you been bragging about your pastor and about your church and about the Lord to the extent that you would encourage somebody to come? I'm sure you did. But how many have you been able to carry the burden for the lostness of their soul? Just imagine Andrew, a silent warrior, in the passing of the time, we learn about these two brothers, Simon, who became the Peter, 
he was the man God has chosen for the masses. But Andrew was chosen by Jesus to be one of his 12 disciples, only to win one at a, per one at a time, one person at a time. He's not a preacher for masses. You know, the air raids in any war zone, air raids could kill the power stations, strategic places and all that, but they can never occupy the land. You know who will occupy, who desperately are needed to occupy the land of an enemy, territory of an enemy? It's the foot soldiers, foot soldiers. You know where we find them? Right in these seats that are sitting here. You are a foot soldier. Without you, the kingdom of God cannot march into the land, unsaved land of people. I have been the foot soldier as well as Simon the Peter preaching to the crowds over the TV, over the waves, or the crusades, or the big meetings. But I'm still one-on-one -on -one personal evangelist. I never, 10 days after I got saved in 1966, I just had such a burning desire to witness about God who had encountered my life by his love and his grace. And that, was, that started a revolution in the inner being of mine. You know, Jesus didn't incarnate into this world to change your wrongdoings. He came into this world to change your wrong being. Once your wrong being is changed, your wrongdoings follow the change of your changed being. He came into this world to change our wrong being, sinful being. That's where the sin is located, in our nature. And then, of course, that heart still burns. I never forget what John Wesley, the Methodist movement, started by him. Somebody asked, why do people attend? Why do so many people come to your meetings? Well, simply, anything that's burning, even if a home is burning, house is burning, anything is burning, people gather around it, right? And I'm simply burning so the people come to see me burn. That's what God, that's who God needs. People whose hearts are burning for the lost, for the gospel. You know, we know and we talk about gossipers and gossiping. We have learned to gossip at no cost, but we never go out, go out and spell God's love, which is gospel. Gospeling is what we ought to be doing, but we do more gossiping than gospeling. What a shame when God's people sitting and uh, attending churches. Well, And then, <clears throat> Andrew, Matthew, Mark, and Luke just listed him as the brother of Simon Peter. It should have been the other way around. Simon, the brother of Andrew, who led his own brother to Jesus. No, 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 no. But John, he was with Andrew. When they followed Jesus, went to 
his residence and spent the night, found the Messiah. Both of them together found the Messiah in Jesus of Nazareth. So John didn't want to miss talking about Andrew. I did 22 messages on, in my TV program on the 12 disciples, 10 on Simon Peter, 2 on Andrew, and 1 on each of the others. And uh, an Indian software engineer who owns a company up in Huddersville, home of rugby, I heard, and he recorded all 22 messages and sent me an email several years ago, uncle. This is amazing that I got to hear and record 22 messages that you did on the disciples of the Lord. Well, that's beside the point. That has touched my life so much, studying God's word, especially the life stories of the disciples. Andrew could he have complained. Here is Simon, my brother, that I led him to Jesus. And now he becomes the preeminent disciple of the Lord. And this rabbi picked up three out of 12, and I ain't no one of them. This is terrible. This is wrong. I don't like this rabbi. I was the very first one along with John. But I am now, I'm nobody in this bunch of disciples. Never did that. He, he sought out optimistically. He was a very optimistic. He was no selfish man. He sought out selflessly. No, I don't have to be somebody. And the bunch of people are church folks. I'm already somebody in God's sight. I'm already somebody. If one black hair or dark hair turned to be gray, it don't turn gray without my knowledge, God said. How many hairs on top of the, even on the bald heads, we can't count the hairs. Can you imagine 800 plus billion people, billion heads? Can we count the heads? Numbers won't be enough to count the hairs. And this God, the creator of the universe, he says not one single hair turns gray without my knowledge. <laughs> Can anybody fathom into who God is, what God is all about? Nay. But he chose to reveal himself to us. He came down to be a man. Well, And then I'll take you to another event. Andrew was mentioned. Actually, he was mentioned in two other events. I'll, ta I'll mention about one other event. A uh, lot of people were, have gathered around Jesus on, on the Mount, uh, Mount, uh, Mount of Beatitudes. And uh, I stayed there one night, 1974, December. And uh, people were flocking around him. And uh, it was a long-winded preacher that day, evidently. It was getting late, and the folks needed to go to the nearby villages and towns. And uh, there was a maths, maths teacher, our mathematical mind, who was Philip, trying to estimate the crowd. And 5,000 men, of course, estimated. Women were not counted. I'm sure 
God has women numbered more in every congregation, every church, everywhere than men. Whether it's the church I'm pa I pastored or your church anyway. Women. So I, I estimated that there must have been at least 5,000 or more women that day. Uh, that makes 10,000. How about the children? Well, at least 10 to 12,000 we could surmise. And, uh, and then Jesus turns to, turns to Philip and said, where do you think we can get uh, some bread and some food to feed these people? Oh, he was already trying to figure out the calculation. And uh, well, anyway, ended up, Andrew found a boy whose mother had given five loaves and two small fish. Small boy didn't need big fish, so small fish. The boy evidently gave it to Andrew. And uh, Andrew could have said, hey, you little fellow, five loaves and two small fish, what? Okay, do you see, do you see this many people? He didn't say that. He brought it over, handed them to Jesus. He said, Andrew, the boy probably didn't know. He just wanted to give what he had. But are you out of your mind that you would bring five loaves and two small fish and hand them over to me? What do you expect me to do with these small fish and five loaves? He didn't say that. We all worry about what we don't have, right? We all are very professional to worry about what we don't have, what we lack. And I have learned a long time back that I shouldn't be worrying about what I don't have because I'm not accountable, so I'm happy for what I don't have. What I do have, whether little or much, I'm accountable to God and man that trusted me with whatever I have. Well, Jesus took the bread and fishes, praise God, and uh, there were 12 disciples. This is where I want to emphasize. There were 12 disciples. Let's just uh, estimate the crowd to be about 10,000. 12 disciples were the distributors. Jesus had chosen to distribute. And seven pieces were there, two fish and five loaves. So I'm sure Jesus must have given each piece to each of his seven disciples. Five of them were left out. And he said, organize them 50 by 50. Make them sit 50 by 50 so that the distribution would be easier. So they went and organized them to sit 50 by 50. You know what it takes for a church to grow? Organizers as well as agonizers. We desperately need agonizers who agonize in God's presence, whether it's at home or in the church, crying their hearts out to the community they are located in. For the lost. For the lost. You know, all of us who have come through the painful cross and glorious resurrection have received something glorious. All the burden of sin was rolled away. We have become the debtors. Whatever we have received that involved the responsibility of distributing the same to our fellow men and women. I get on the flights time and again since 1972. Since 1985, I've been 
going to America twice a year or once a year. This is my fourth visit to uh, the UK. First visit was in November 1981. Going back home, I had some college and seminary mates here. They encouraged me to stop by, preach for about uh, one month in their churches, and I did. And uh, every time I got on the flight, I know I'd be sitting beside somebody, a man or woman, this side and that side. And I just can't keep quiet. I say, well, we're going to be together for the next 10 hours or so. And I have been known to be a good neighbor all my life, sir. And I hope you are too, because you're going to be my neighbor as well as me, yours. And they laugh and said, oh, yeah, I try to be a good neighbor too. By the way, what do you do? Well, they start. That's the starting point for you to open yourself up. The burning heart for my fellow man. Oh, I lead a group of Jesus followers. I always say that in India. If I say Christian, oh, you took up the Western religion. You're getting some salary from America or England or Germany, something like that. They're crazy. That's the prevailing notion among the tens of millions of people in India still today, including my own relatives. <clears throat> and then the questions continue and the answers continue from me. And I ended up sharing what Jesus meant to my life. What, do you, what else do you do? Well, we have three children homes with 350 boys and girls, orphan and poor. We have a home for the widows and widowers, abandoned beggars, we take them. Ah, you're doing great service. When I say, when I talk about that part, they say, you're doing great service. Sometimes I tell them, well, that's a great service. But I'm also seeing so many thousands of lives being changed as I preach the gospel, as I share the gospel, just like I have done with you today. Keep on talking about Jesus. One day, a young, young man came to me. I seen him coming to the church, actually bringing his mother on his bike, motorbike, and his sister as well. And his father used to beat his mother time and again. And uh, he came to me, Chaitanya, Krishna Chaitanya. Chaitanya, what brought you to see me here? Never did. This is your first visit. Tell me. What's your purpose of visiting me? My mother wanted to go to your pastor. Daru, Daru is like Mr. Pastor. Well, we chatted about it. He's a software guy, and we chatted for a few minutes. He said, are you saved? Uh, I don't know what it is to be saved, Pastor Daru. Uh, in fact, I don't believe in the existence of God. I'm an atheist. But I noticed that you've been coming to the Sunday services. When you're in the city of Hyderabad, you come every Sunday. What makes you come if you're an atheist? That's not a gathering of atheists that I'm speaking. Pastor Garo, I'll be honest with you. I don't believe in God. But every Sunday I come to listen to your motivational words, powerfully motivating me. Well, 
I just prayed for him, he left. And a few months later, he came to, he went to America on some software project and came back. A few months later, came to me asking me if I would be willing to baptize him. I said, you know, the pastors like me don't baptize atheists, no pastor ever. That day, when I came to see you, God spoke to me. And I have accepted Jesus to be the only true God and Savior. And I had the assurance of my sins forgiven. And I'm ready for water baptism. Just one at a time, foot soldiers. A rates are great. But without foot soldiers, A rates cannot accomplish the task of occupying the enemy's territory. You, you, my sister, my brother, you are that foot soldier. I could go on and on. Well, the distribution was done. And of course, we know the multiplication of the multiplication of the of the loaves and fishes, and uh, as we estimated to be about uh, ten thousand people that did the eight and the eight and the date, eight, eight, eight. How much did everybody got? Can you estimate how much did everybody got? How many loaves and how many fishes they could have eaten? They must have eaten. I'm sure. A square, span, long, belly full, right? Bear with me when I talk like this, okay? We all have bellies. We all fill them up. There's nothing wrong in filling them up. But that day, I'm sure the loaves tasted better than the pita bread they ate all the time. And the fish taste much better that day. After all, they're small fish. I wonder if those small fish started growing bigger fish for the bigger bellies. Well, anyway, each one of them got bellyful. Wouldn't you love to have bellyful of dinner or lunch or food freely given? Ha! <laughs> Don't we love the food? We talk about the food all the time. Don't we? We are great people, but we seldom talk about Jesus. That's what concerns to God and to anybody that is conscientious of God's mission that is given to you and me. And, uh, and then there were a lot of loaves, pieces of loaves and fish left all over the land. And he didn't want to see, Jesus didn't want to see them go away, so gather them. So the twelve disciples not only did they Distribute to 10,000 people. Can you imagine 10,000 people who were served by 12 disciples? Hard work. Hard work. And then they had to gather all the pieces. And lo and behold, they, after they gathered them, they filled 12 baskets. I wonder each one of them, if each one of them got a basket full. I'm sure most of you thought you would love to have a belly full. And now I'm asking you, would you like to have a belly full of blessings or basket full of blessings? I'm sure you'd, you'd prefer the basket full. But you've got to be distributing before you get the basket full. You can keep on sitting in those seats, comfortable homes, 
comfort zones, whichever the way your comfort comes from. We can sit in those, we can enjoy the comfort zones, but remember you have a mission to accomplish. We are accountable, receiving, of course, involves responsibility of distributing. Did you know that God has appointed you and me and all his blood-washed children in the churches around the world to be the authorized dealers and distributors of gospel, gospel of God's love? You know, when I read, uh, I am the debtor, Paul said in Romans 1.14, to the Greeks and barbarians, cultured and uncultured, wise and unwise. And for the first time, I read the Bible. God spoke to me, I need to read the Bible. I didn't know that. I, was op I would open the Bible, and wherever these two thumbs fell, I would, uh, I would read those verses. But God spoke to me one night in a dream. Well, that's beside the point. I don't want to go. Oh, my goodness, I need to be closing. Uh, why? I, I thought you would close around uh, before noon. Um, <clears throat> but I have a few more words to share. Twelve basket, twelve baskets. Each one must have gotten at least one basket. We are the authorized dealers and distributors of God's love. How much have you been sharing? You know, God has trusted you, all, all of us with uh, time, talent, and treasures. Three T resources God has deposited in all of us. By the way, did you check your bank account? Every Midnight, right after midnight, 86,400 were deposited into your bank account. Did you know that? I checked my bank and there was a deposit with one condition that you, sh you should spend all that richness that comes to you with 86,400 before midnight today. It's only 24 hours that's your time. 86,400 seconds of time was deposited into the accounts of all of us. How are you spending it? How much are you giving unto the Lord? What about your talents? How much are you expending for God? For God? Just a question. You can think about it. You don't have to answer me for those questions. You could answer to your own self. And how about the treasures? Whatever the treasure God has blessed you with, you owe it to your fellow man. The time, talent, and treasure. That's right. The eight and eight got only belly full. And in closing, I should say that Andrew... I can't imagine, Andrew, we have folks in our churches in India that won't go to, that never go to the neighbor. Go to the neighbor. If somebody's sick, if you, if you have had the healing power of God touching you, healing you, then you owe the message of healing to your fellow sick people. Go to somebody that is sick in your community, in your own neighborhood, or in the circle of friends or relatives. You don't have to preach the gospel. 
You don't have to have a three-point, five-point messages. Just pray for them. Pray for them. Could I pray for you? Well, anybody would, would like to have a prayer done freely. If they don't want to, you can walk out of their home and just stand outside their entrance door. Pray for them loud. And, and share the gospel message in your prayer. God, grant and grace your visitation to the family that is living in this beautiful home. And touch the person that is not doing well in her, in his physical body. You have touched me, Lord. I know you can touch anybody that believes in you. Just pray that. And you are communicating the message of God's love and God's power of healing, right? Ah, they're not going to crucify you just because you prayed outside their house. You got the right to pray anywhere, right? You are not disturbing them either. You don't have a microphone blowing the prayer all over the community. Just pray for them. That's it. And Andrew, Andrew, I couldn't believe that he went to the Caucasian Mountains, which is now Georgia, present-day Georgia from in Eastern Europe. And, uh, and then he went to Caspian Sea and this, preached to the Scythians and went to Greece and to Patros, the province of Patros, and started preaching the gospel. And the governor, Aegeatis, he got so furiated about this man preaching a peculiar religion. He ordered him to come to the tribunal where they're going to punish him for his preaching. But Andrew didn't care for the order of the governor, Aegeatis. He didn't show up to the tribunal, so he ordered him to be crucified. You know, the crucifixion has never been done with the nails. It's only by the ropes tying their ankles to the cross. You know, the Persian king started that, and Median kings continued that, and the Greece, Alexander and them, they used to crucify the slaves that were rebellious publicly, crucify them, hang them on the cross. Only one person in the history of crucifixion was crucified by nails, and that's Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Well, they tied him to the cross, and of course, Andrew asked, him, asked them, my rabbi, my, my Lord was crucified, head up and feet down, and my brother Simon didn't feel that he deserved to be crucified like his Lord, so he asked them to crucify him head down and feet up, and I don't feel that I deserve either way of my Lord or of my brother Simon. So, hang me on the cross in an X-shaped cross, like this. So they hung them, him on an X-shaped cross. Three days he was there. And, and he, was, he continued preaching, witnessing of Jesus. People used to gather around him hanging on the cross, on an X-shaped cross. And some of them accepting Jesus, they went to the governor and pleaded, this man is a good man. His, his message is changing our lives, making better citizens. So please lose him. 
So he ordered, A.G. Artis, the governor, had ordered losing him. When they untied the ropes, the dead body of Andrew fell, and fell down. That's how he completed his journey with the mission. What a privilege, what a privilege to be a witness of God's love and God's grace in our lives. I hope you would continue witnessing to somebody, somebody. If you are closely related, develop your closeness with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, with the Father. You know, you open up your heart to your friends, don't you? And they open up their hearts to you, don't they? And when you get closer and closer to the Lord, He, you open up your heart, you feel so close. That's my experience for 57 and a half years. Sometimes in the spirit realm, I hear Him talk to me just like my dearest friend. And then I respond to him just like his dear friend. Sometimes I address him as Father or Lord. Sometimes I don't address him any. I just talk to him just like he's my bosom, closest friend in my life. In prayer, we can open up the hidden parts of our hearts, hidden feelings, unspeakable feelings to him. And you know, he loves to open his heart for you. He would prompt you to witness to somebody. God bless you. God bless you. I could go on. Cold-blooded killers got saved in my ministry. Prostitutes got saved. Some of them are still alive. The leader of 200 rowdy gang, 200 road, gang of 200 rowdies in the twin cities of Hyderabad and Secunderabad, the sixth largest city in India. That man came, started, he was banished out of the twin cities by the government of my state. And he came to, he came to live with his wife in our city. Some relative, some married young lady had poured kerosene and set herself on fire and committed suicide. Her mother was a widow. She lives in another city. I came to know, so we went to, she's a believer, Hindu convert. So me, I, me and a few others went to take the dead body from the mortuary of the general hospital in our city, doing the burial. And I was introduced to this big dude, with big mustache, uh, all the rosary kind of chains around his neck, looking like a witch doctor. And uh, the widowed mother, whose daughter just committed suicide, she introduced me. This is my brother-in-law, Babu Rao, she said. Oh. I said, Babu Rao Garu, Mr. Babu Rao, why don't you come and see the way we worship our God? Come and sit for a few minutes. Just, just come and casual, casual invitation. You don't have to have an uh, official invitation to the people. Come and see how we do. Uh, I heard about you, Mr. Chaudhary. I think I may come sometime. Never been to church. And he came. Service starts at 10. He showed up around 11 o'clock. 
dragging himself after hopping off the bus, city bus. And after the service, I didn't know he was in the, well, I noticed him walking. It was a big thatched roof place where 350 people were gathering before we built the church building, Pastor Samuel. And after the service, he came to me. Mr. Chowdhury, he was still looking into the thatched roof. I didn't see any gods here still trying to find if there is a God hidden in the thatched roof. No gods here. But I felt something different while you were talking, he said. You don't see gods in the roof. You can see God right here. Right here. If you trust in him, he comes and lives in you. If you felt something, why don't you consider coming back some other time? May not be next Sunday. You may be busy, but come some other time, whenever you think you would like to. Yeah, I think I may come, Mr. Chowdhury. He started coming. One day, my son-in-law, Silas, you know, Pastor Ken, and one of my assistant pastors went to see him. And he said, I have a I have a gun. I can shoot 150 people, 100 rounds I can shoot. It's a machine gun. And a pata knife. Up in the north, northern part of India, they make those knives, pata knives, with the poison in it. If it, it works faster than a cyanide capsule. Just touch it. You're dead. He said, I got both of them. I sleep with them in my bed. Because my life is under threat every moment of my life. But nobody could ever kill me or touch me. I got a machine gun with 150 bullets in it. I could blow the heads of any people, anybody. I did that. Oh, it's a powerful weapon, he said. And my son-in-law and uh, my assistant pastor, Paul, they said, we got more powerful weapon than you got. Oh, what is it? No, there's no more power at that time. No more powerful weapon than these two. Well, this book, the Bible, your weapon kills people, but this touches the people that are dying in eternal death and bring them back to life and life eternal. They said, is more powerful. You need to buy one book which is more powerful than the weapons that you're sleeping with in your bed. So he went and got a Bible. One Sunday he, he was sitting and I, I see the change in him. Said, Bab, in front of the congregation of about 350 people, I said, Baburao Garu, Mr. Baburao, tell us what's happening. Oh, you don't want to hear my story, Mr. Chowdhury. That's okay, we want to hear. But these women would be scared to death if I talk about my life in the past. One of the ladies said, no, we'll be happy to hear your story. She started telling. And the woman was, some of the believers, ladies, started screaming. He's just a brutal man. He said, I should have been born among the giants rather than humans. One time, to give you one example, I stabbed a guy in the old city, the gang fights, you know, and he was bleeding to death, and I was not satisfied. I took my pata knife, 
and then cut his belly and cut the guts, intestines, held him up with both hands as the blood was dripping down. I felt so happy. The more blood I shed, the happier I used to get. Well, you don't need to give all the description of what you were before, what's happening now. That's what we want to hear. Well, Chaudhary Garu, Mr. Chaudhary, this book and me, we are fine, he said. He's a changed man. He's been to scores of villages, towns, to give his testimony of how Jesus saved his life. A cold-blooded killer. When I was in Hyderabad, I used to come to Vijayawada once in a while, Pastor Samuel. If he came to know that uh, I was coming, he would come with a bag of fruits and come to me and I get the message that he's coming. So I would walk out of my house and to receive him. He puts the bag down, starts crying. I said, why? You changed my life, he would say. You think I have the changing power? Are you out of your mind that you would say, I changed your life? No. It's the one whom I talked about. He has the changing power of men and women. And he did the changing process in your life. Well, in that case, I know he knows that, but he wanted to give me the credit. I said, no need. Well, in that case, then Jesus and you together changed my life, he would say. I could go on and on. I better close it right here. Pastor Sam will come. <clears throat> How long have you been here? Oh, as a pastor, yeah. two years. Two years. I thought I knew that, but I didn't remember. I knew that you and Anna were going to take over the church, and that man of God and the lady of God had uh, turned the baton over to you. Yeah. You know, God has a mission cut out for you. Yes. It's an awesome mission. Yeah. I tell the Bible school students in three Bible schools and about 140 pastors now, I tell them, what is ministry? Ministry in our language is two letters. Seva, Seva, S-E-V-A. Seva is ministry in our language. It's called Telugu, which has been called the Italian of the East. So we got something in common. Your family names in Italy, our family names, end up with a vowel, never with a consonant. Gullapalli, I is the end letter. That's beside the point, just to let them know that we got something in common. We all got a lot more in common, though, than the last names. And uh, what was I saying? <laughs> I know. Uh, so they say ministry means preaching, teaching, pastoring, evangelizing. They come up with all kinds. All of them are right. But I tell them, seva is nothing but chavu. Chavu is the word for dying. Ministry is nothing for dying. Dying to self. That's what it is. That's what it is. And I know you're already dying on the inside. Not only to yourself, you're willing to die for the people God has entrusted to your care. It's an awesome responsibility. And that young man, Banu Chand, 
She dreamed of becoming an industrial engineer. But God had a different plan. He's the third generation preacher boy coming from our family. Me and then uh, all four of my daughters became pastors and ministers and their husbands. And uh, his parents pastored the central church with about three and a half to 4,000 people. And uh, God is doing so many things. Time don't permit me. Time don't permit me. We have a Muslim guy, few families. One Muslim lady went out to do the church planting in her native place after getting saved in our church. And uh, this man, he, loves, he loved Jesus and of course loved me too and respected me. But I knew something wrong in his life. He had it, an illegal family besides his legal wife and three children. I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to give me the courage and prompt me to speak to him about. I went to do the housewarming ceremony one time. He was one of the invitees. He was there. I said, uh, after all was done and lunch was finished, can we walk out uh, for a few minutes? Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. I said, I know you have a mistress in your life. You operate that uh, illegal relationship. How long do you think you're going to continue and continue to come to church? You think you love Jesus? I know you do. You have great love and respect for Jesus and me too. And we both like it. But we don't like, he don't like that kind of lifestyle. Are you going to continue that? You need to repent. If you can afford to give some money to that woman so that she don't have to go to another man to survive, leave her. If you choose, only if you choose. That's what God expects. And of course, as his servant, I expect you to do the same, sever that relationship. Some months later, he came to me, Pastor Garu, will you be willing to baptize me? You know, Basha, Sheikh Basha, you know, the pastors like me don't baptize people with illegal relationships like you had. No, Pastor Garu, that day God spoke to me. God spoke to me, Pastor Garu. I'm ashamed of myself. I'm sorry. I have repented. I have, I have the assurance that God has forgiven me. So I baptized him. Talk to somebody. You never know the hidden parts of many men and women. They're hurting on the inside. They don't talk about it. They're, they're, they're hurting bad. God bless you all. You helped me to clear some of my debt I owe. I'm trying to clear some of my debt I owe, not in terms of money, but in terms of sharing whatever God has deposited in me. And I hope you folks would continue, take over that role, continue to with that role and that role to complete your mission. When you go to stand before that Bema of Christ, which is the, uh, well, the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible said, but that's, that's not right. Judgment, that's not judgment seat. That's, uh, in Olympics, the word used there, uh, rewarding seat, you know. 
uh, when you stand there, God is going to ask, is not going to ask you how many pairs of clothes you had in your closet, honey. How many pairs of shoes you had, boy? No. How much money you have in your bank account when you left that old world? How much? How many? How much money did you bless your children with? No. These questions have no meaning. What have you done with all the blessings that I have blessed you with? Give an account. If you don't, of course, it's already recorded there anyway. So you don't want to stand before the Lord with pale faces for not doing what you were supposed to do down here while you are here and while I'm here. God bless you. Thank you so much, Pastor Moses. Yes. Thank you so much. Why don't we all stand and uh, yeah, just let's close in prayer. I think it was a a word in season, Pastor Moses, you might not know that, but we've been speaking a lot about repentance lately in the church, and uh, there's been a call from God for the people in this church to, to turn their back to different things and to embrace completely the love of Christ. So it's really a word in season, and I, I love the, the, the parallel that you made with the foot soldiers. We are all foot soldiers. And we have the responsibility to fight for our Lord Jesus, um, for the gospel, to share the gospel, to spread the good news of the gospel. And um, as we close in prayer, let's just, um, you know, uh, think about these. You know, is, um, we heard a lot of questions, you know, that were asked to us. When is the last time you, you brought someone to Christ? When is the last time you prayed for someone? When is the last time you spent uh, words with someone, when is the last time you, you visited someone, when is the last time you've been a faithful foot soldier for the Lord and um, I think uh, we all have to uh, you know, we all have got something to think about in our life and as well for, for, for us as a church, for the season that we are in I think the Lord is, is really calling each one of us to do his part within his kingdom to be that foot soldier, you know, as we go around, as we meet people, as we speak to our friends, to be witness about our Lord Jesus. Sometimes we spend so many words in how are you, how, what you've done yesterday, what do you have for food, what are your plan for the future, and we can spend hours and hours speaking to our friends about, let's say, less important things. But we neglect to speak to them about the one who saved us. To speak about the one who can save them. Who can give them eternal life. It is a massive responsibility we have. Hallelujah. So Lord God, we, we pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence among us. We thank you for your word. For your encouragement. We thank you for the seed that has been planted today in our hearts, Lord God. And I just pray that we want to embrace together as a church this, uh, this season. We want to be faithful foot soldiers. We want to uh, really act on the word that we heard, Lord God. Help us. Help us not to neglect our responsibility as children of yours, which is to speak about you to the people around us. And I also want to encourage 
if you're here today, you're listening to this, and you know you you know that you're not in a relationship with God today, and you're wondering, you know, where should I start? What should I do? Everything starts with repentance. Repentance means to turn away, to realize that whatever you at in your life, because we are without God, you've done different choices, different mistakes, different uh, things that have caused perhaps the situation you're into. And God is saying, look, I want you to see these things. I want to repent, which simply means to turn away and to walk towards me, believe in me, embracing me. This is your starting point. If you are not in a relationship with God or if you would like to have a fresh beginning with the Lord, everything starts. Everything passes through the gates of repentance and say, Lord, I need you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin. Start walking with him. He has love for you and grace. He doesn't want to judge you. He doesn't want to make you feel guilty for what your life looks like. He has given you his life for you. Nailed it on the cross for you. Start from here. Start today. In Revelation 3, it says uh, that he, the Lord Jesus at the door is knocking. If you hear my voice, just open the door of your heart. I will come in and a meal with you, a fellowship with you. And so today, if you heard the word of the, the Lord, if you've heard the Holy Spirit knocking at the door of your heart, why don't you open? Why don't you allow God in? Why don't you have a fresh beginning with the Lord? So dear God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, because uh, like I always say, your plans are good and perfect. And uh, you brought in our midst today Pastor Moses and his grandson, Lord God. I thank you for their lives, for what they are doing in India, Lord God. It's wonderful to see how you look after your church everywhere in the world within different contexts and cultures and, and customs, Lord God. You, you work your purposes for the salvation of people in this world, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, because today we had the honor to hear from them, Lord God. And we pray that you will bless their lives. You will keep on blessing their ministry, Lord God. The people that they will be talking to, Lord God, that you will use them as an instrument in your hands to still touch the life of many, Lord God. I want to pray, Lord God, for their needs, needs that have been spoken about, needs that are maybe secrets in their heart, things that they keep for themselves, Lord God. I want to just to pray that you will provide to their needs, that you will bless them. And Lord God, we thank you for today, Holy Spirit, as I said, for being among us. And now as we worship your name, Lord God, we want to once again to say, have your way in us, Lord God. Help us to be faithful foot soldiers. Help us to be faithful servants of yours, of you, God. And we thank you, Lord God, because you want to bring people into the kingdom. You, you see salvation ahead of you for this church among us. You see people joining this church, not for the sake of joining, but because they will be saved by you. They will be uh, rescued by you, Lord God. And we thank you because we have the honor to be part of this wonderful plan. 
that you have for this town and for the surrounding villages here. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just also want to encourage you, if you felt the Lord uh, spoke to you clearly today, um, and you want someone to pray for you, just, you know, come and ask for prayer. Uh, I would be happy to pray. There are people here that would be happy to pray as well for you. Uh, just, you know, don't let this word that you receive uh, today in your heart just be there without bringing any fruit. If God has been stirring something in your life, take action today. Um, if you want to be prayed for, just come forth and pray. Amen. Amen. And as we said earlier on, we're going to have church lunch. If you didn't bring any food, you are still welcome to join. We, we always have more than enough. So why don't you just join us and spend some fellowships, a good time with us. God bless you. Uh, keep on praying for Alpha and the things that will happen in the church. And we'll see you next Sunday.